At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Happy Friday, and thank you for being so patient because we didn't have a Wednesday episode this week, and now we're back in action, and... Also, there's been a lot of other sports action going on. So today we're going to have like a potpourri. I think it's kind of like a charcuterie board, if you will, of topics, which I hope you appreciate because it's very LA. It's very on brand, the charcuterie brand and uh, or board rather. And speaking of the board, like I said, lots of bets and action that you can take a look at right now. One of them being Summer League, the Lakers. And the Clippers played each other on Tuesday in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas edition of the Battle for LA. And they beat the Clippers 83-72, to their first summer league win in Vegas this year. The Lakers play again in Las Vegas on Friday. They face Kai Jones, Mark Williams, and the rest of the Charlotte Hornets. And the Clippers will be playing in Las Vegas as well versus the Jazz. I believe the Clippers are slightly favored, maybe two points or so. The Lakers uh, getting a couple points. And I think that sounds about, about right at this point. Today we have a great show coming up. As I said, charcuterie board, if you will. We'll start with some MLB Dodgers at the Angels. So the two LA teams going head-to-head, speaking of battles for LA. Even though, do we consider the Angels an LA team? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Angels fans. But I know the Dodgers fans don't consider the Angels necessarily the Los Angeles Angels, despite the rebrand. But they are back in action at Angel Stadium on Friday and Saturday. We'll get into that. And also today, a little bit of NFL sprinkled in, taking a peruse through the NFL awards for the LA teams that might be worth a look at. And of course, finishing off the show with some WNBA picks 
predictions for Friday and one Saturday game. Two games on Friday, one on Saturday. We'll get into all of that. But before we do, let's take a look at the local Los Angeles odds. So I'm going to start with college football. Bet you weren't expecting that, but you can expect anything on a charcuterie board. Seriously. Sometimes you're like, what? I've never even seen this nut before in my life. And there it is. And you, you taste it and it's delicious. So we're going to start with college football, the delicious nut you weren't expecting. USC 2-1 to one to win the Pac-12 and 28-1 to one to win the national championship. Those odds are so short for a national championship win for a team that's got a brand new coach and a bunch of new shiny talent as USC is, is known to incorporate into their teams, various teams. 28 to 1 is not nearly long enough for USC to win the national championship this year. And I hope this clip comes back to smack me in the face. I hope it does. If there's anybody who thinks that 28 to 1, oh, pretty good. That's like fair. No, it should be way longer. But USC 2 to 1 to win the Pac 12, I also think is a bit too short. And again, I get it. They have the shiny new coach and the shiny new talent. And it's there's no knocking that. There's definitely the talent there for that to happen. But we're talking about the first year here. Uh, for Lincoln Riley. So I think that's a high expectation, but where else would you look? Utah is plus 240, Oregon plus 250, and the next closest is UCLA at 10 to 1, which honestly, I, I think that could be a little bit longer as well. But we do only have 12 teams here, at least for the time being, soon to be some Big Ten teams in the form of UCLA and USC. But UCLA at 10 to 1, I don't think that's quite long enough. And maybe that's just me not having enough faith in this UCLA team, despite the fact that Chip Kelly seems to have finally had his team buy in. It's taken a little bit longer than people would like, especially a lot longer than we're used to seeing in college football. You have to have success right away. And Chip Kelly getting them at least above 500 last season was an accomplishment. Shout out to the eight wins, I believe. 150 to one to win the national championship is UCLA. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that one. You guys know that that is silly. It's silly business. Let's talk about the MLB too. We're going to get into this first, but as far as the odds are concerned for this game on Friday night, 6.38 p.m. Pacific time, Dodgers at the Angels. The Dodgers minus 210 on the money line. Shocked actually that this wasn't higher, to be honest with you. I thought this would be a lot higher, maybe minus 230, even up towards, towards the 300 mark. But we're seeing minus 210 on the money line for the Dodgers. So... We talk about how this is not a ton of great value for the Dodgers on the money line and that we usually look at the run line for the Dodgers, which again is kind of an anomaly in baseball betting. Typically you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, everybody handicaps differently. And isn't that what's beautiful about sports betting? We all do it a little bit differently. I was going to say there's so many ways to skin a cat, but I hate that expression. Why, why do we, hmm, let's please tweet at me with better versions than how to skin a cat, but Regardless, there's lots of different ways to bet, but typically you would not be encouraged to bet the run line in baseball so much unless there was an obvious edge for it. The Dodgers being one of the best teams against the run line. Steve Buchanan from DraftKings and I, great MLB handicapper, had talked about this when I hosted My Guys in the Desert, a VSIN show that's on from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. Stormy Bonatoni typically hosts, but she's been out of town working on some other projects. Side note. But yeah, Steve and I were talking about how the Dodgers are such an incredible team on the run line. So... You're seeing them at the run line odds here at minus 125. So minus one and a half runs, meaning the run line, at minus 125. And that's a lot more palatable for a lot of betters than minus 210. That's a lot of juice. But that said, I do think that the Dodgers are kind of undersold here in this matchup. The Angels are plus 175 on the money line. And getting one and a half runs, they are plus 102 on the run line. The total for this game at eight, if you look back to the two games that they played most recently, I believe at Dodger Stadium, 
the games are pretty low scoring. One of them, I believe, five runs. The other was something similar or less. So no shock that we're seeing a slightly lower total. But I do think that was also at a time period where the Dodgers were kind of having a hitch in their giddy-up, if you will, which is not a Los Angeles kind of reference at all, but there it is. Can you tell I used to live in Wyoming? A little hitch in their giddy-up. And the Angels have just completely self-destructed. They've continued to self-destruct lately. So this could be more of a blowout maybe than we saw with the last two matchups, essentially what I'm saying. We're also seeing completely different pitching matchups. So again, if you look back to Tuesday, June 14th and Wednesday, June 15th at the Dodgers, the Angels lost both games, the first 2-0 to zero with Gonsolin pitching, Mr. Reliable for the Dodgers, and Syndergaard for the Angels. Really has dropped off, unfortunately, for Thor. And then on Wednesday, they lost 4-1. to one. I'm going into the analysis now. I didn't mean to. I'm trying to give you guys the odds. But <laughs> Tyler Anderson on the mound on Wednesday, June 15th and gets the win over them with Reed Detmers on the mound for the Angels 4-1. to one. So again, low-scoring games, uh, but I'm... I'm Interested to see what Sandoval versus Kershaw looks like and Suarez versus Urias, which is what we're going to see between Friday and Saturday. Uh, but Kershaw on the mound and only getting minus 210. Is that value? <laughs> I mean, it's not. But it's value if you think the Dodgers should be much heavier favorites on the money line. Let's move on. The Los Angeles Sparks, I was shocked to hear, again, hosting My Guys in the Desert as a guest host on Wednesday. We had on Station Sports and Casinos Sportsbook Director Chuck Esposito and I asked him about the WNBA handle for him, where the biggest liability was. And of course, he said the Las Vegas Aces. They're heavily Las Vegas money. They're based in Las Vegas. But he also said that it was the LA Sparks, which again, close to Vegas, and the Dallas Wings, I believe, which I get those would be liabilities for them because, again, these are the teams that are 100 to 1 or higher. So if they actually do end up winning, that's a huge, huge loss for the sports books. But it is kind of crazy that that was even brought up because to me, the Los Angeles Sparks are nowhere close to, I mean, not even a team, this sounds messed up, but not even a team I'd be scared to face in the playoffs if I were another team, like at all. The Sparks just bit, whooped them by 20 on Thursday night. That was the one spread bet of mine that actually cashed on Thursday. So LA Sparks still sitting really, really long odds and yet somehow uh, can be trouble for the sports books if they could put it together, but 100 to 1. At Bet Rivers right now, not so much. Ace is still plus 150. Tons of liability, I'm sure, there as well. Chicago Sky, 2-1. to one. The Seattle Storm, plus 350. The Connecticut Sun, 5-1. to one. And the Mystics, 14-1. to one. What about football? Let's take a look at the NFL. We'll get into some of these NFL awards later on the show. I want to look at Offensive Player of the Year, MVP, uh, even Team to Win Their Division. So a couple futures and awards, I guess. But we can also look at the lines for the Rams and the Chargers because we have the first week lines out. The Rams are hosting the Bills, which should be a great first game here. Really rough one right out of the gate. And the Bills minus one and a half here, minus 117 on the money line. Total for this still at 52. Rams plus one and a half points at minus 117. And money line minus 105. I don't hate Rams money line there, but is that disrespectful to Josh Allen, the leading MVP candidate? We will see. We will see. The Chargers also, of course, in action hosting the Raiders. The Raiders plus three and a half and minus 109. The Chargers, of course, laying three and a half points at minus 112. Raiders money line plus 150. Chargers money line minus 186. I feel like the Chargers are going to be, that wouldn't be, maybe I'll put that into like a little money line parlay would be kind of fun to have the Chargers in there. I'm just not a Derek Carr fan. 
I've said it. I'll say it again. Total at 52. Not like as a human. I'm sure he's great. Those are your local Los Angeles odds plus a little bit of extra. So with that, let's get into the Dodgers and the Angels who are facing off on Friday and Saturday. On Friday on the mound, two lefties. So I already mentioned this briefly, but let's dive a little bit deeper. Patrick Sandoval, been good overall. 2.95 2.95 ERA that's dropped just in the last week between his last two games pitched because he had a really great outing on July 9th versus the Orioles 1.39 whip again down from 1.41 last week so going in the right direction 84 strikeouts over 76 and a third innings now that was surprising to see me as I was filling these stats out because that was 10 strikeouts added within one game so he had nine strikeouts on July 2nd versus the Astros and 10 strikeouts July 9th versus the Orioles. So his last two outings, nine strikeouts and 10 strikeouts. But the Angels lost both games. And they've lost six of his last seven where he pitched. So just no support whatsoever. And Sandoval was even in discussions, would this be the first year we'll see him in an all-star game kind of situation? So he's been overall pretty solid. It's just the Angels not helping him out with this at all. His biggest issue, really, if you're going to point to something, would be his walks. He's at 4.1 batted balls per nine innings in the bottom Uh, or excuse me, 4.1 walks per nine innings in the bottom 10% among pitchers who have tossed at least 50 innings. So bottom 10% with the walks and needs to be addressed. But honestly, when the whole house is on fire and then the sink is broken, come on. (laughs) We have other things to worry about with the Angels. The Dodgers are going to have their ace, Clayton Kershaw, on the mound with a 6-2 win-loss record, 2.4 ERA, 1.01 whip, 69 strikeouts in 63 and two-third innings pitch. So nearly 64 innings pitch and 69 strikeouts. Uh, on July 3rd, 10 strikeouts versus the Cubs. On July 9th, 8 strikeouts versus the Padres. So similar to what we've just been seeing from Patrick Sandoval in his last two outings. So over strikeout props, sort of interesting here. Sort of an interesting way to look at this, for sure. If you don't want to lay all that juice with the Dodgers, like I mentioned, minus 210 and on the money line, and you wanted to find another way to bet this, Bet Rivers also has, this is a parlay. Keep in mind, whenever two things have to happen, we're parlaying events to happen, and that is, of course, going to be more difficult to hit than just a single actionable thing happening. But Dodgers to score first and to win is minus 117. Who's going to get in your way? Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. Who else? Who, who's scoring for the Angels? The Dodgers have a plethora of players that can score. SAT word. You're welcome for that one in case you forgot it. But Dodgers to score first and win at minus 117, also very palatable. You could also just bet the Dodgers run line if you think they'll win by more than a run, and you get that at minus 125, I believe. So up to you. We're talking pennies there at that point. But I think Dodgers to score first and win would also be a more fun one to cheer for, especially in a baseball game. You're excited for the first run to be scored, and then you have to watch the full game to see if they win. I don't know. More interesting to me. Coming up, we'll talk NFL awards for the local Los Angeles teams. That means the Chargers and the Rams. Next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by BetRiver Sportsbook. Oh, and don't forget, you can swing for the fences on BetRivers Online Sportsbook this week when you make a first-time deposit using code DERBY on the Baseball Home Run Derby. That's D-E-R-B-Y. Sign up is super easy with the BetRivers Online Sportsbook app or visit BetRivers.com. Deposit $100 to receive a free BetRivers bet for 
a home run hit or deposit $250 and get the total home runs for the entire Derby as a free Bet Rivers bet. This offer is valid through July 11th or from July 11th through July 18th. So just download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today and use the code Derby when you make a first time deposit. Visit betrivers.com to see all the latest odds, boosts, promotions, all running through this baseball season. Bet a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. We love it here at Bet River Sportsbook because they sponsor the show and because we get lots of great odds that we can take a look at right now as far as the NFL awards and even some just divisional odds as well. I'm going to start with Justin Herbert, quarterback for the Chargers, at MVP odds here of 11-1. to 1. Now, of course, shop around for the best odds. We love that Bet River sponsors the show, but it would be irresponsible of me to tell you you have to take these odds. Always shop around and find the book that's going to give you the best odds, especially when it comes to futures. I understand not wanting to have accounts at a million different sports books and having to kind of have all of those accounts fueled, if you will. But as far as futures are concerned, that's a situation where if your money's going to be tied up for months, you want to make sure at least you're getting the best possible bang for your buck. So definitely look around for the best odds. But Justin Herbert here at 11 to 1 is very, very solid for me. Last year, Herbert, 66% of his passes completed, over 5,000 yards, 5,014 to be exact, 38 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. So much fun to watch. Season ended too early for him. And now heading into a second year with his head coach, Staley, who literally builds this offense around him. And what else? The Chargers also re-signed receiver Mike Williams. They beefed up their O-line in the draft. Zion Johnson in the first round. Fellow guard Jamari Saylor in the sixth. I like this. I think that it's very possible for Justin Herbert, and you're getting him at double-digit odds at least, 11-1. to 1, So you're not having to look at something like 7-1, to 1, much shorter. There's no sophomore slump for him right now. He posted a 25-3 to 3 touchdown-to-interception ratio, 70.3% completion rate, 115.7 passer rating, while averaging 311.2 passing yards per game in the Chargers' nine wins this season. Now, it's interesting because there's slight juice to the Chargers' win totals on Bat Rivers starting at 9.5. So I believe the 9.5, I can look it up right now, but I believe it's around minus 127 or so for over nine and a half wins. So the Chargers to get one more win than they got last season, which I think is doable, but it's also a big ass 10 games, especially in the conference that they're in. The Chargers are built to, to win just about any other division, but they're of course in the AFC West. That's incredibly difficult. So I think 10 wins is a big ask. And it's interesting that you're seeing a little bit of juice for over nine and a half wins. And even I think at a 10 even wasn't even plus money quite yet. So over 10 wins, I think 10 and a half, we start seeing it, of course, 11 wins, even bigger ask, but yeah, nine wins to the chargers last season. And of course, huge, huge credit to Justin Herbert for that. Uh, he's simmering. He's simmering right around that discussion for the MVP levels. And of course he has to go up against the likes of Josh Allen, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And Josh Allen's been simmering for a couple of years. He's been heating up in this discussion and Tom Brady, a gem, of course, the storylines, Patrick Mahomes. I think that Patrick Mahomes, we saw a little bit of regression last year. He's got a little bit even less weapons this year. And I think people are undervaluing what the Chiefs have lost a little bit. And by people, I mean some of the people that I've read, obviously, because some people understand. But Patrick Mahomes also second baby. And I think that the baby years are not always the best years for the players. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. At least not on the field. I'm sure it's really profound for them off the field. <laughs> Justin Herbert, MVP 11-1. to I like it. Division winner. 
I just talked about how the Chargers could win any division in the NFL, but are in the very difficult AFC West. But you're getting them around plus 250 to win uh, the division. And also, Chargers to make playoffs was interesting at minus 177. If you want them to miss, you think fade the Chargers missing the playoffs, plus 144. Also, consideration, stage of elimination. So you can bet what stage they will be eliminated in the season, the postseason, if you think they'll make it. So miss playoffs, of course, being an option, uh, round out in the divisional round, etc. But I kind of liked defeated in conference finals at 7-1. to one. Like I said, the AFC, very tough. They'd have to go through Chiefs, Bills, Broncos, etc. So... Defeated in the conference final 7-1. to one. If you really think you have a good grasp of how this is going to play out, which is tough to say at this point, especially because we have so many huge pieces that move, Russell Wilson being one of them, 7-1 to one to be out in the conference finals if you don't think this is their Super Bowl year. I don't have their Super Bowl odds on here. I'll pull them up for you guys and, and let you know what they are right now. But I didn't even pull them up for the Chargers because I don't necessarily think this is the Chargers Super Bowl year. And part of that largely has to do with how difficult uh, their path would be to get there. Their odds right now to win the Super Bowl, 15 to 1. The Rams, 11 to 1, right in front of them. Chiefs, 10 to 1. Packers, 10 to 1. Bucks, plus 750. The Tom Brady effect. And Buffalo Bills, if you can believe it, plus 650 for those odds. Let's move on to Offensive Player of the Year, get into some Rams action, if you will. Now, Offensive Player of the Year, I believe on Visa, and I heard one of our guests, I think it was Pete Futak, but I don't, I'm probably incorrect there, so don't quote me. But one of our guests, I was listening to our Best Bets podcast, which recaps all of the VEASAN shows in case you have a VEASAN show you like and can't listen to it at the time you want to listen to it, even though betting information is so time sensitive sometimes. Still worth a re-listen a little bit later. And one of the guests talked about Jonathan Taylor uh, as Offensive Player of the Year. And that makes a lot of sense. We know he's going to continue to get that high volume with Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan taking over uh, for Carson Wentz. So heavy run, perhaps, for Jonathan Taylor. But I like Cooper Cup in this spot, and here's why. Well, here's the odds. Most, most receiving yards is also an option you can look at for him besides Offensive Player of the Year. Most receiving yards at Bet Rivers is 8-1 to one for Cooper Cup. Jamar Chase also 8-1. to one. Of course, your top options. Justin Jefferson at plus 850. And Devontae Adams at 12-1. to one. I think those are all solid choices, okay? Those are your top four options I would look at. But I like Cooper Cup here. He led the NFL in receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, first receiving triple crown since 2005, then took over down the stretch to win Super Bowl MVP. So yay, but somehow slipped through Offensive Player of the Year. It was Jonathan Taylor. Now, wide receivers traditionally weren't getting this award very often. We remember Jerry Rice back in the 1990s, I believe, won it twice. And then two in the last three years all of a sudden. But I think that that is ushering in that new era where the wide receivers can get this. And even though it was kind of snubbed last year, Cooper Cup was so far above his competition. He's the best receiver in football. And a step further, McVay is going to keep going to him. Stafford is going to keep going to him. McVay loves calling it to him, and Stafford is so comfortable with that Cooper Cup connection. Those were some of the best props to bet on last year were those Cooper Cup-Stafford connections. Uh, and who could forget eliminating Tom Brady was, was, I believe, was it OBJ or was it Cooper Cup? I think it was Cooper Cup connect, uh, catch from Stafford. So you could have Cooper Cup regress a lot because we would expect maybe regression after such an incredible season, perhaps. And you could lop off 300 yards off of what he did last year, and he would have still led the NFL in receiving yards. That means, again, he was 331 yards better than any other receiver last year. 
You could sell me on Justin Jefferson will have a great year. You could sell me on Devontae Adams blowing up, but the Raiders, he could get 200-plus targets. But my thing is, Cooper Cup being the elite level he is, compounded with the fact that Stafford, that is his favorite person to go to, and McVay. And people know that, so maybe they cover Cooper differently this year. But I like Cooper Cup, Offensive Player of the Year, or most receiving yards at 8-1, to whichever. Uh, also, he does have to beat out Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry could win comeback player of the year, so at least that kind of skews it a bit. And if you want to look at rushing yards specifically as opposed to receiving yards and take the offensive player of the year out of the conversation, Jonathan Taylor at 10 to 1, he did lead the NFL with 1,800, you know, 1,811 rushing yards last season, 5.5 yards per carry last season. And the Colts, again, should be run heavy this year as well. Four to one for Jonathan Taylor for most rushing yards, plus 400. And Derrick Henry, plus 450, if you think that he's going to be a monster coming off of that injury. All very interesting things to mull over, and it's nice to be able to talk about some NFL. Again, I've finally eased back in, guys. I'm finally getting exciting in mid-July for some NFL action. But it makes me sad because with NFL means the end of the WNBA season looming. But we're just past that halfway point after All-Star Weekend and coming up, WNBA preview for Friday and Saturday right here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. I'm Danielle Avari, still here and ready to rock through some WNBA action Two games on Friday, one on Saturday. Nothing that I'm excited about from a betting angle in terms of like thrilled over the moon. And I'm mentioning that because I've been trying to be really excited about all my bets and be a little bit more disciplined with when I make them. When I first started doing WNBA betting last year, I had no problem betting on every single game. And I would bet aside in total for most games because it was a learning experience. And I wanted to see what worked and what philosophies worked for me and also which stats were the most important to monitor so it was very much a learning experience it still is every day you get a little bit better that's the good news you get better or you lose or you win or you get better or both so with that in mind I like when I look ahead throughout the week and say you know x on this game on this on the schedule and say this is the one I'm excited for and even the other day somebody on Twitter asked me what do you like for Tuesday's games and I said I don't I really like this game that's going to happen on Wednesday and lo and behold, the bets I put down for that one actually both cashed. It was a side and a total. I believe it was a Mystics game, who are the best team ATS so far this season. They did not cover on Thursday, so that is unfortunate. But I stand by that. I had all of the favorites on Thursday. Wings at the Lynx, and the Lynx laying four and a half. The Lynx did not cover. The Wings won straight up, 92 to 87. The Mystics, I had them minus four and a half at the Mercury. I still stand by that bet, but I am wondering if the Mercury are now kicking things into gear in this second half of the season and remembering that they have Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and starting to actually show up and compete in these games a little bit more. It's been a very rocky season for them, obviously, starting off with the Brittany Griner wrongful detainment. So you do just wonder if this is the Mercury turning tides here or if this is just a fluke, because we did talk about that in recent shows about how, oh, the Mercury have been winning some games, but they had only beat 
the Fever twice and the Wings once, and then they had lost to really good teams. The Mystics are a good team. They'll drop a game here or there, but I think they understand the long game here. And again, there's a reason that they're the only team that I have a future on. Part of it was value, which they were sitting at 15 to 1 before the season, 20 to 1, 25 to 1. But I got them at 15 to 1 to win the championship because they have the DNA to do that. So when they drop a game, no big deal to me till because they've made me a lot of money so far this season, at least ATS. But something to keep an eye on, nevertheless. And Elena Deladon was playing in that game. So was surprised to see that no cover. They lost by five. So Mercury covering as four and a half point dogs. And then Sky at the Sparks. This got up to five. I grabbed this at four and a half, though. Sky minus four and a half at the Sparks. And this one was just cruising. It's funny, too, because the rhythm I've noticed, at least for me personally, for Sparks games as I'm watching... The Sparks will come out in the first half and they'll put up a fight and maybe they'll even score well. Neka Ogwumake has been incredible. I realized the other day I said her name wrong and I just felt like that internal dread that you feel when it's like, oh, I know how to say it and I've been saying it wrong. But no, uh, Neka, <laughs> Neka Ogwumake has been incredible. She's been obviously all-star level and she's been trying to carry this team but it's been so tough. No Liz in that game either, so it was surprising to see uh, even a, a semblance of a fight, especially against a Sky team that is very, very prized to... Prized? Primed? Primed to win the championship again. We haven't seen that happen again since the early 2000s. You probably heard me say that many times, but they seem like they absolutely could repeat. And so it's no shock to me when they win by 12 points here. And what was probably surprising for some was a lower scoring game. The Sky have been having overs in games where they're against opponents that are top four, you know, in the seed, in the seeding, right? In the league, it's the top four teams. So if we're like against the Aces offense, of course, I would expect to see a higher scoring game we have. The weird anomaly to that was, was probably the Liberty. The Liberty have been able to push the pace of games and they make so many threes that teams have to keep up with them. So that might be an anomaly there as well, as far as the top teams, but against the lesser teams, the Sky's defense kicks into gear. They have no problem slowing the game down and letting it just be in their control. And this could be a little bit of coming off of All-Star Weekend as well. They're on the road in LA, but they still got the win done. And that defense is just chef's kiss. As you can tell, my favorite teams in the WNBA have really solid defenses, the Sky and the Mystics. And I love watching the Aces, don't get me wrong. I'll watch Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith on any given day. But those are hot, like run it and gun it offenses and your defense is going to kill you. And another example would be the Lynx. The Lynx just have been letting so much get through on defense as evidenced by their loss to the wing straight up on Thursday. They should. I liked every single favorite on this board. So it was surprising to me that we actually went two and one. Fortunately, the live bets came in. So I want to do an accountability check, but also humble brag. So on WNBA this season, 64 and 53 for me straight up, but up 9.7 units. That's where we're at. Uh, it was up 9.5 before yesterday, so we had such a little little small increase. But the reason we didn't go down despite going 2-1 and one, is because we actually went 2-2 two and two by adding on a live bet. And by we, I mean me, of course. Now, I try to tweet these out, and I realized that I didn't tweet this one out, and it's so hard because then people go, oh, well, I didn't even get to jump on that then. And I apologize, but this is also not like a pick service. I'm not touting things. I'm just letting you guys know when I make action. And of course I would like you to make money too. That's the point. I want us all to make money, but yes, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't get this live one out on tweet. Uh, when it happened, I grabbed it pretty close to the end of the game. I want to say six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I was, uh, otherwise occupied so that I could not really do this. You can see how much guilt I have regardless live bets for me this year 
have been money. They've been by far, and this is why it's hard because I'll talk on the podcast about, I'm going to bet this game live, and you guys probably sit there and go, just give me the pick, give me the number. And I hope you're not. I hope you want to learn more about sports betting and get more educated uh, in ways that you can make more money. And that's just speaking to the fact that live betting, you, you can get such better numbers live if there's a lull in scoring of a team that is a high-powered offense that is going to bounce back in the second half. Or there's a huge discrepancy where you're getting plus 23 points. I, I hate betting those. I don't. But there are opportunities in live betting that you're just not going to see ahead of time, especially in the WNBA if you're not going to get closing line value. And it's so difficult. Because the other day someone said, well, I got this number which we love those guys. Thank you for being on Twitter. We were all, we're all really grateful you're there. Uh, could not be more sarcastic. But they said I got this better number, and I thought, yeah, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You get closing line value, you kill it in the WNBA more, more times than not. But you get killed if you find out that this player is no longer playing, this player is sick, this person is out for personal reasons, and it happens within an hour of the game sometimes. I mean, that's happened with Candace Parker this season. We saw it with Liz Cambage yesterday, so or on Thursday, rather. So, yeah, yesterday. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, because there might be news that drop, and that completely shatters your bet. The other day I had an over in the Storm and the Wings game, and then it's like, oh, yeah, Alicia Gray is out, which she's been in and out, so that should have been something that was on my radar that was possibility. But I thought, no, this might still go over. And it went under by about four or five points. And it's just those kind of things. So you get closing line value, you can crush it, but it can also crush you. So it gives and it takes. Live betting. I want everyone to be able to understand what we're looking for when we're live betting. Because that's going to be your best friend, I think. And that's the thing that I do well, more to the point. And so I want to share what I do well with you guys because that's... That's obviously better than what I do horribly. Speaking of, uh, spreads have not been good for this season for me. Totals have been better. I would say 55, 60% on totals or higher. And that's just straight up pre-game totals, not including live totals. Live totals this year for me, 15 and 1. 15 and 1 on live totals. Why am I betting anything else? <laughs> and then live bets overall for me this season... 20 and 7. 20 and 7 on live bets this year. So I just think that there's a lot of money to be made on live betting, and that might not be what works for you best. Again, there are really excellent handicappers that crush it pregame, and I have them on this show, fortunately for you. Daniel Mattia, uh, Miles Ehrlich, who is a reporter but does an incredible job with betting, and of course, Calvin Wetzel, who's an incredible handicapper, just to name a few. Karina Mustafa, also incredible WNBA I'm going to say analyst. I don't even know how to describe. She's going on vacation. We tried to get her on the show this week, and I didn't want to rush it. So we're going to have her on when she gets back from her vacation. But lots of great handicappers to pick from that all bet a little bit differently to give you options. Just basically to tell you, the live betting has been live for me. Let's move on. Let's look at Friday's games after all of those not-so-humble brags. Apologize, guys. Links at Fever, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Friday. The links are not on my bad list, despite the fact that they did not cover on Thursday. Again, they were four and a half point favorites. What was I thinking, by the way? Betting, it's like it completely slipped my mind. The wings on the road, road dogs, like if the wings are getting more than four points on the road, yeah, pretty much I'm in. Like that's what they do best. And yet I decided to go with the Lynx who have been rolling lately. Sylvia blessed us with a three point in the all-star game. And uh, the defense here is just a little bit lackluster for me. They failed to cover Thursday, lost straight up. And despite that all, Ariel Powers, can we talk about her really quick? 
scored 89 points over her last three starts, the most prolific three-game stretch in the WNBA this season for the whole WNBA, and the most by a Lynx player since Maya Moore in 2014. Maya Moore, so good. Great company for her to be in. So just by the books here, 32 points, 22 points, 35 points, 6 rebounds, 11 rebounds, 13 rebounds, uh, field goal percentage, 59 54 and a 67% three point shooting percentage in one of these. So just really, really incredible turnaround for the links and largely powered by powers, if you will. That should be like a sponsored segment if they're not already taking advantage of that. I think the links are close. They're so, I mean, we know, I think, I believe they're a half a game or so around a playoffs. That lovely man on Twitter mentioned that to me was, can you believe if the links win this game tonight? They'll be so close to playoffs. So thank you for keeping me honest on that. I can believe it. I absolutely can believe it. So links at fever is the get right spot for the links. Absolutely. I'll be interested to see how much they're favored by. It's almost to our benefit that they lost. I think they're going to bounce back here and we might get a more favorable line versus the fever. I would still expect it to be above five, of course. Um, but I'll be looking to get back in on the links. Will I do it live is the question after that whole tirade about how you should be doing live betting. That will be the question. I could talk myself into something pregame. We'll see. Also, as far as points. I don't know what the total is going to be for this one yet, but if it's not out of this world, like I don't like to, I, I hate in general across the board, even in aces games, which I know is insane because it's safe to bet overs. I hate betting overs in general. They make me sweat. I hate them, but also over 165, 167 is where I start to get uncomfortable. So if I see a 171 on the board. Like I believe the sky sparks game was almost that high. It was at least above 167, 171, maybe. I was like, I want to bet that under just on principle. That seems too low. But then I thought, well, the Sparks, I don't know. And then it was at the time when we didn't know who was playing or who wasn't for the Sparks. So I didn't end up pulling the trigger on that. But then I just pulled the trigger on an under live and it was under 155. So it was a huge, huge opportunity there. I think links that fever if the line is not completely out of control. So if I could get a 165, under 164, I would love that. <laughs> For this links and fever uh or an over excuse me an over 164 is what i was talking about there links fever like i said links defense still an issue fever are gonna run that pace uh will they be able to score is the question sun at dream also going on on friday 4 30 p.m pacific time why am i forgetting the sun is very much the little sister in the league for me and i just mean that in the way maybe they're the middle child the middle child's probably a better reference the middle child because they're good enough to, they're just as good as the older child. <laughs> you can tell I'm not a parent because this is not how you should talk about your children. But let's say the son or the middle child because I'm constantly forgetting about them. But they're so like, they're just as loved. They're just as talented as my other children. There's a better way of saying it. But I'm constantly forgetting about them because they're just not living up to their potential this season. And it's not really their fault. Just like it's not your fault if you're a middle child. It's not your fault. You don't, you don't have to like do somersaults to get more attention. They're facing all these adversity. Of course, Jasmine Thomas being out being a huge, huge factor of what happened to them this season. And poor Kurt Miller just having to deal with this season over season of replacing these situations. So we take a look at Connecticut recently. They failed to cover four straight and they've only covered one of their last seven. They beat Indiana last time by eight. They were 10 point favorites. So Again, the market being high on Connecticut, as it should, because they're talented enough, the metrics sport it, but just not quite covering those large spreads. Now we're seeing them 
on the road at the Atlanta Dream. The Dream being a team that I think does a really solid job at home. There's something about the Atlanta Dream at home this season. And they've been so wishy-washy as well. What I will say is we've seen a ton of overs. So if we look just at the last 10 games for the Dream, only three of those games have gone under. And they were formidable unders, meaning that the point total was pretty low. 156.5 went under against Washington. Yeah, that's what I would expect from a Washington defense. And under against Connecticut when it was 163.5 on June 26th. The game was 72-61, to so Connecticut did a very solid, adequate job there. And that was way undersell. They did a great job. And then under 164.5 versus Dallas, which I think was more of a representation of Dallas probably having a rough shooting night than anything else, but still 80-75, to pretty high total again, 164.5. I would lean under in this, and I think we might get an opportunity for it. It's tough because Atlanta will push that pace, but we have two good defensive teams here. As far as straight up record, Connecticut 15 and 8, Atlanta 10 and 13, and ATS Connecticut 10 and 13, while Atlanta is 12 and 11. I am just not a big Atlanta believer, but the Sun have not been covering these huge spreads 9, 6, 7, not that those are huge, but above 5, let's say. Last game, June 26, they beat them by 11. So, or yeah, they beat him by 11, so 72 to 61. Yeah. Sorry guys. Quick math. Um, yeah, I think that, I think this could be a good spot for Connecticut if the point spread is not have too high of expectations for this poor middle child is basically what I was getting at. Let's look at one last game Saturday sky at the wings, 5 PM Pacific time for that one. You guys already know how I feel about the sky. The wings have been very wishy-washy and up and down as well. Hit or miss the sky have been solid. They've covered four of their last six. We've seen some under some overs again, their overs happening against Atlanta, a team that was going to let them run all over the place and uh, against the fever who, again, defense. Defense? Anybody? The unders happening against uh, LA, who had a bunch of players out missing against the Lynx, which is surprising because the Chicago actually lost that game by three. And then against the Phoenix Mercury, 91-75 to in that one. So as far as Chicago at Dallas, I'm expecting a higher scoring game. I think the total will reflect that. I expect it to be appropriate, but we'll see. And then as far as the spread... Dallas at home, not the same as Dallas on the road. Chicago coming off a 20-whatever, 12-point win over the Sparks in L.A. On the road again. One day rest. Might be an opportunity for an under, actually. The total, the total might be high enough that we could sneak in on an under. Uh, Chicago so far this season, 18-6 and six straight up, 12-12 and 12 ATS. Dallas, 11-13 straight up, and 14-9 and nine ATS. Maybe it's time to start paying attention to Dallas again as far as the spread is concerned. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. New shows, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That means I'll be back on Monday. Hopefully you will too. Great slate of WNBA action on Sunday as well if you want to tune in and watch that. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Danielle Avari, and I'll see you next time for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.